also what is the most effective, most powerful thing that we can do. At some point, if I was in a work meeting, people would say, we've got to get everyone together. We've got to communicate. We've got to raise money. But we have something far more powerful than that. We can talk and bring our requests to the King of Heaven, the maker of everything, the one who knows everything. Some of you will have seen the slides at the beginning. Each of those slides was from somebody who had been in prison for Jesus. And they were asking us to pray. So will you join me in praying for Christians all over the world who are suffering for Jesus? Because that's the best thing that we can do. So let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for our brothers and sisters who show that you are worthy by being willing to live for you and lay down their lives for you. We thank you that all over the world the message of Jesus is so powerful that people love you more than they love their lives. And so we do pray for those who are being persecuted. We pray, Lord, that you'll protect their bodies and most of all that you'll protect their minds as they're thrown into prison with people who have committed awful crimes and are so alien to their culture. And they must wonder how they will survive. Oh Lord, do comfort them. Do remind them that you are a friend who sticks closer than any brother. And Lord, we pray and we thank you that despite being thrown into prison, despite being beaten up, many of your believers stand up for you and their love for you shines through and they tell their guards and they tell their friends and they come out of prison and they tell people again about you. Oh Lord, we pray that that enthusiasm will continue among those who are persecuted for you. Oh Father, we pray for ourselves. We, we are ashamed. We, we don't face that persecution the most we face is a sneer or a, a laugh or a joke at our expense. And yet, oh Lord, we pray that our love for you will be a love that opens our mouths and our love for people it will be a love that makes us turn to them to tell them about the King who is forever Jesus, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And Lord, as Believers all over the world are put under such pressure. Oh Lord, we know that many of them have said how your word has come to them in their prison, in their suffering, and produced just the right word of comfort. And Lord, tonight we pray that that will be a reality for many of those who are in prison, that you will speak through your word and encourage them. And as they pray for their wicked rulers, we join them. We pray, Lord, that you will soften hard hearts. Oh, Lord, we heard this morning about Pharaoh, whose heart was hard and whose life was destroyed. But we remember that Nebuchadnezzar, another great king, another powerful king, 
was brought to know you as the living God. So as we look at the rulers of this world, especially the rulers who persecute you, whether that's in Qatar, or North Korea, or Iran, or China, oh Father, we pray that you will turn them to you. We pray that there will be freedom, and that that freedom will lead to the good news about you being spread. Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We ask that you'll help us to keep on praying, and we pray that your church will grow and that your children will be blessed. Amen. So we have two readings, and the first one is going to be before I pray again, and then we'll sing, and then the second one is going to be after that. And the first one is in 1 Thessalonians, and it's in chapter 5, and we're starting reading at verse 1. So Paul writes to these Christians to encourage them. And he says, Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pans come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build one another up, just as you are doing. Let's pray again. Oh Lord our God, we ask that you will help us to hear what you're saying to us. We thank you that this world isn't going on forever. We thank you that one day you're coming again. And you're going to take each one of your children to be with you. Oh Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes to see the darkness that's in the world. We pray that you will help us to live for you in this dark world, to live in the daylight, not to want to get into the dark, but to want to live for you, whether we're dead or alive, so that we know you and your presence. Oh Lord, we do pray for our dark world. We pray for those who are suffering. We pray for those who are under bombs, whether it's in the Ukraine or in Gaza. 
Oh Lord, we, we ask that if it could be your will, you will bring a relief to the suffering. We pray that the rulers of this world will act to save lives, act to act justly. Oh Lord, we, we see so much pain caused by evil men. And yet we know that the selfishness that we see in the big scale is there in our hearts. And Lord, we we pray that there will be a relief from darkness. Oh Lord, we pray that there will be a a desire in the hearts of all of us who are your children for, for you to come and a desire for us to be lights in this world. Oh Lord, we we pray that what's happened today in our church will be life-changing words to children and to young people. We pray that you will be bringing your light in at the men's curry evening and on First Tuesday. Oh Lord, we, we ask that the glory of Jesus may be known. And Lord, we pray that as we interact with each other, we will be people who encourage each other to point to you. We encourage each other to steer away from the dark and live in the light, knowing that whether we're dead or alive, we're with Jesus. So Lord, do be with us, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing again. And our next song is a prayer. It's a prayer that God will be right in the centre of our lives. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
We're going to turn back to God's Word and we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10 and the passage that we're going to be reading is from verse 19. So we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10 starting to read at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, and with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray again. Oh Lord our God, it amazes us that the pure, holy God of heaven tells us, who are not pure and holy, to draw near to the God of heaven. To present our requests, our prayers, our desires, our hearts, our needs, our longings to you as our Father. Because you gave your Son to pay the price for our sin so that we can be accepted, not because of anything we might have done that might possibly have been good, but because of him. And we thank you that we're we're not to come in some formal way, but to come as children crying out to you as our our Father, our Dad, our, our Heavenly Heavenly Father, what more can we say that we are children of the King of Kings and that you love us and we ask that you will help us to draw near to you and that you will draw near to us so that we hear your voice. Oh Lord, you know that our hearts are weak, you know that our minds are distracted. Sometimes we are sad about things that we should not be sad about. Sometimes we are chasing things that are of no value. And always we are not loving you as much as we should do. So Lord, we pray that you'll draw near to us. Lord, I pray especially that you will draw near to those who are suffering in this part of your your church, as part of our church family. Those who are suffering in their minds. Those who are suffering in their bodies. Those who are worried, oh Lord, we pray that as we all have worries of different levels, you'll help us to cast our cares on you, knowing that you care for us. Oh Lord, I pray that you will help us to do the good things that you've given each one of your children to do. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to see what you're calling us to do 
And not just to think about it, but to do it. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to encourage each other, to remind each other of the truth about our God. And that you are of such great value. Oh Lord, we thank you that we don't have to guess at what God is like. We thank you that you have shown us in your word. And Lord, we pray that you'll help Mark as he comes to teach us from your word. Help him to be faithful and take his words and make his words affect our lives. Oh Lord, we pray that you will give us a faith that works, a faith that lives for you. Oh Lord, we want to be like Jesus. Change us, we pray. Amen. Going to sing again, and then Mark's going to come and speak to us. And the, 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 the song is a piece of good advice to each one of us. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. been paying uh, any attention to the words that we've been singing, you'd have had a little bit of a taster of some of the things that we'll be thinking about tonight. So this is uh, the last message in a a little series, a series of four, on friendship. And uh, in uh, session one, we looked at the fact that we're made for friendship. So God made us, and uh, he made us for friendship, to be friends with him as God, and to be friends with each other. 
But of course we've got that well-known story in Genesis 3 where sin comes in and it wrecks that. It wrecks our relationship with God and that also wrecks our relationship with others. And in many ways the story from Genesis 3 to the, to the end of the Bible is really God giving everything he can to restore that friendship with God and also restoring our friendship with each other. And we look forward to the day when one day that friendship will be completely and perfectly restored when we will be with him. So that was session one, the big picture. Session two was a dose of wisdom. And we looked at Proverbs, the book of wisdom, uh, a book with loads of stuff about friendship in it, with loads of wisdom. And we thought about the, the impact that friends can have, who our friends are, can have a massive impact. Uh, we thought about choosing friends. We thought about the power of words, for good or for bad. There's quite a lot of wisdom in there. And then in the last one, we looked at learning from the best. So we looked at Jesus. We looked at Jesus' friends. Um, we looked at seeing Jesus being the best friend. And we also looked uh, briefly at Jesus' command to then emulate him, to be like him. Well, tonight we're going to look at what friendship in the Christian community should look like. In the Christian community, what should friendship look like? In our church here, what should friendship look like? I'll be focusing uh, on a few different verses, uh, but mainly in the New Testament tonight. And uh, there may be one or two little bits of repetition from before, but I don't think any of that will do us any harm whatsoever. One of the things uh, I've talked about uh, in in session one was about the fact that actually loneliness is, is a massive problem and it's a growing problem in the UK and around the world and actually especially for young people. Young people, it's a, it's a growing problem. This is what Drew Hunter says. He says, churches can serve relational feasts in the midst of this friendship famine. Churches can serve relational feasts in the midst of this friendship famine. If we want to see real examples of friendship and what real friendship is like, then the Christian community should be the place where we see that. And a question to ask ourselves is, is it? Is it? Many of us here tonight follow Jesus. We're part of the Christian community. What should our friendships look like? Well, I'm going to suggest tonight that it should be shaped by two things. Our Christian friendships in in the Christian community should be shaped by two things. And the first one is this. Our Christian friendships should be shaped by what Jesus has done. You know, as part of the Christian community, we're described in the Bible as Jesus' body. So Jesus isn't on earth anymore, he's ascended, but we as his people are like his body. We are to be Jesus on earth. We're to be like him. And one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit this week is just how welcoming Jesus was when he was on earth. There's different times, aren't there, in the Gospels when whole crowds gather to Jesus. And what does it say Jesus does? He says, at least in some occasions, he, he welcomes them. He welcomes these massive crowds to him. But not just the crowds. You see times when he welcomes individuals as well. And the sorts of individuals that other people don't really want to spend time with. The ill people. The the morally bankrupt people. 
the needy people. Those sorts of people, the poor people. Other people don't want to be friends with them and Jesus welcomes them. Sometimes he even welcomes them to their house. He happily spent time with people who could give him nothing back. That was the sort of friend he was. That was the sort of friendship he gave. Jesus welcomed everyone and he still does today. Even today, Jesus welcomes everyone who comes to him. This is what it says in Romans 15. Paul says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So if you've been welcomed by Jesus Christ, you too should be welcomed just as you've been welcomed. You should welcome other people. We should be welcoming. And can I just say, if you're a visitor here tonight, can I just say, it is so good to have you with us. You are very, very welcome. And uh, I'm so thankful as well that many of you here who have come over the years have felt a warm welcome. And and that's special. That's, That's what a church should be. It should be a place of welcome and friendship that is like Jesus. I was listening to um, a couple of friends from a different church yesterday at the, the conference I was at. And they were just talking about how one or two of their groups were just really cliquey. And it, it can be like that sometimes, can't it? it? Groups can very easily become cliquey. And um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because God has made us for friendship. And God has made us for strong friendships as well, to bond to each other, to learn from each other, to encourage each other, all those things. We're going to look at that a little bit more later. But one of the things we can so easily do, and I know I've been guilty of this, is it's almost like we can, we can get in a sort of a circle with our friends, right? So it's almost like we're, we're there with our friends, and we're sort of holding both hands with, with friends, and we're in like this circle. And so maybe, maybe other people sort of come along or whatever, in, in whatever group we're in, and they don't really feel welcome. We're, all, we're too focused on our friends and they feel a bit left out. And maybe what we need to be doing is actually, maybe we still have one friend that's in contact, uh, one hand, sorry, that's in contact with our friends. Maybe we, we, you know, we still keep an eye on them, that's great. But we're also looking around. We're looking around us to see who else is left out. And we keep one hand free so that at any point we can welcome them in to join us. So we can say, come and join us, so that no one is left isolated, no one is left out. That's the sort of welcome and friendship that we should have. Maybe it's a challenge to us, because it's so easy, isn't it, to just focus on our friends. And as I say, I know I've done that far too often. Are we looking out for each other? Are we keeping an eye out for those on the edge? We often have refreshments, don't we? Teas and coffees. And there's other situations where we have similar uh, situations. But so often we we can kind of ask, who's going to be a friend to me? But how different would it be if we all went saying, who can I be a friend to? You see, it completely transforms how we act and how we feel. Christian community should be a place where everyone feels welcome and where everyone can experience friendship. Can I just say as well, one of the things that makes my heart really sing is when I see people deliberately going out of their way to welcome people, uh, especially if they're on the edge, and um, maybe they put themselves out to do it. 
And I just think it's a wonderful thing. And some of you are very, very good at it. And it makes my heart sing to see that. Some of you have been uh, on holiday to different churches. And, and it makes a massive difference, doesn't it? How welcoming that church is makes a massive difference to how you feel about the church. It's really important that we're a welcoming church and that we're welcoming as people. But Jesus didn't just welcome people for a chat, did he? Though he did do that as well. What else did he do? He gave his life for us. In the greatest act of friendship the world has ever seen, that we've already we've seen in this series. But he was the ultimate example of self-sacrificial friendship. The friendships that people should be able to see in the Christian community are self-sacrificial. Friendships that go above and beyond what you'd expect in a friendship to demonstrate the sort of friendship that Jesus showed to us. Friendships shouldn't just be about what we can get, but maybe it should be about what we can give. I'm not going to say a huge amount about this, so I should have put a couple of uh, slides up. I'm not, I'm not going to say a huge amount about this because I, I covered it a bit more last time. But I had to put it in because it's such an important part of friendship in the Christian community. Self-sacrificial friendship should be a big part of it. I was so blessed last summer because uh, a couple here, and some of us know who they are, they drove all the way to Worcester for the YP holiday for us just to drop off some luggage and then drove all the way back on the same day. And then, at the end of the holiday, they drove all the way to Worcester again, picked up the luggage and drove all the way back on the same day, just to help us out. And it was an example of self-sacrificial friendship for us as a group. And I know that in the past, others have offered to do similar things, and it's an amazing thing. It's a clear demonstration of self-sacrificial friendship. I quite enjoyed uh, this story from Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, She's written a book on friendship that I've mentioned a couple of times. But she writes this. When my friend Gloria was in business school, her negotiation professor set a surprising homework exercise. In the coming week, his students had to make three totally unreasonable requests. The purpose was to get them used to being turned down. So, Gloria texted a friend from church can you give me $5,000? Instead of saying no, her friend replied, how soon do you need it? It would take me some time to get that much money together. Gloria tried again, asking another friend if she and her family could stay in her friend's apartment for a month. The friend agreed and asked for their dates. Time and again, Gloria failed to get rejections. Why? Well, essentially because she had Jesus-like friends. I love that, trying to explain to the professor why she failed her homework. But it should be, there should be self-sacrificial friendships in the Christian community. Well, what else? Forgiving. Forgiving friendships. Jesus is the ultimate forgiver. So it's not too much of a surprise when we read this in Colossians 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, if we're Christians, we've been forgiven a vast debt. A vast debt of sin. And so shouldn't we forgive other people? 
for, for, for the relatively small things that they've done to us. But we can find it so hard to forgive, can't we? Do you have a forgiving spirit? Do you have a spirit that bears with people, that is patient? Because we know we're all sinners, we know we're all far from perfect. Do we try to think the best of others? Do we think of others as better than ourselves, as we're encouraged to be? so easy, isn't it, to, to hold on to things. For, for things to become a grudge. To, to overanalyse things unhelpfully. Maybe things that people have said and, and we, we hold on to it and we, we don't let it go. You know, in a Christian community, our friendship should be forgiving. We should be looking to, to think the best of others. We should be looking to bear with them. Looking to forgive. Because we understand it's only by grace we're saved. It's only by grace we're children of God. This was what a man called Henry Ward Beecher once said. He gave he gives this advice. Everyone should keep a fair sized cemetery in which to bury the faults of his friends. And this sort of uh, friendship as well, these sorts of friendship, is also reflective. Reflective. John says this in uh, John 13:35. He says, "If you have this sort of friendship between yourselves, then people will know that you are my disciples. People will know that we follow Jesus. They will see Jesus as they look at our friendships." So, um, uh, I've got a mirror here, and uh, I'm probably not going to get this exactly right. But if I aim it about there, can some of you roughly see the ceiling, or at least? Uh, yeah, good. Hopefully you can. Okay. So as you look at that, you can see up. Now, I want you to imagine, I'm not going to get anyone up the front because it would embarrass them, but imagine I had a massive mirror and, and there were two of us holding this, this mirror. And we were holding it uh, at this sort of angle. And, and I, I just want us to picture, it's as if, as people look at the friendship between the two people holding the mirror, so I have a good friend up here holding this with me, this massive mirror, As people look at our friendship, they don't just see us, but what they also see is they're directed up to see Jesus as well. So they see Jesus reflected. That's the power of what a good friendship does, is we see Jesus. That's what our friendship should be like. We should reflect Jesus, and it's very special when they do that. So our friendship should be shaped by what Jesus has done. And I'm sure there's more we could say, but those are just a few things just to get us thinking. But our friendship should also be shaped by something else. Our friendship should be shaped by Jesus coming again. By Jesus coming again. Uh, Just over a year ago, some of you know this, but uh, Ross Colborne and I uh, decided to try and uh, cycle from London to Brighton in the, the British Heart Foundation off-road uh, challenge. Uh, it's about 63 miles, 100 kilometres. And uh, I'm well aware that for some of you that's like child's play. Um, <laughs> but for me, I am not an endurance athlete, and it was quite a big challenge. And uh, I, I vividly remember clicking the sort of the pay button, and my money went through, and I immediately felt quite physically sick at what I'd just done. Um, but I booked it up in January... And it, it was in September. 
And do you know, for months, I really looked forward to it. Admittedly, with some trepidation, but genuinely, it, it was a, a real sort of looking forward to it. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I love those months. And, and both Ross and I, we encouraged each other uh, quite a lot. You know, we, we, we spurred each other on. It gave us something to aim for. It gave us something to talk about as well. And so we talked about all sorts of different things. So we talked about how the training was going, which for me wasn't happening so much. And I regularly got sent videos of him cycling and getting fitter and fitter. Um, But we talked about the route. We talked about the massive hills that were on the route. Well, I talked quite a bit about them. We talked about how we were going to set up our bikes. We talked about the food that we were going to take. Uh, we talked about how we were going to get there, because you have to start in the middle of London. So, you know, how do you, how do you get there? But it gave me vision during the year. It gave me a sort of a purpose. Now, I'm not, it wasn't my biggest purpose, but, but it was a purpose during, during the year. Something to aim for. It gave me this vision that I had something to, to go for. Now, what is it in the future, or, or in the distance, as it were, that should give us purpose and vision in our friendships. Hopefully something a bit bigger than a, a finish line at the end of a race. Well, it's the day of the Lord Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It's Jesus coming again. This is what should give us our, our vision and our purpose in our relationships. Give us a focus. That was a, the thrust of the, the two readings that Tony read for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we were reminded that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You see that? The day of the Lord will come. Jesus will come again. And as Christians, we're to be actively looking forward to it. And then this is how it carries on underneath that. It says, He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, now it's not talking about actual sleep, so whether you're alive or dead, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Do you see what it's saying here? Because he died for us, we're going to have life with him. Even if we've died, we're going to have eternal life with him. So in the light of that, in the light of Jesus coming again and us having eternal life with him, we need to encourage each other and build each other up because while we're waiting, we are in a battle. And it's very easy to give up. We can forget these things so quickly. So we need to encourage each other. We need to build each other up. Are you an encourager? Are you an encourager? Do you build people up? Do you build people up? We can be nervous about encouraging people, can't we, sometimes? We think, well, how on earth are they going to stay humble if I encourage them? But encouragement doesn't just mean telling them how wonderful they are. Building someone up doesn't just mean showering them with compliments, nice as that might be every now and again. It might be that we encourage them in their, and, and thank them in their, their faithfulness as they do God's work. But it also might actually be that it's not really about them at all. It might be that we encourage them by pointing them to God. Reminding them of God. It might be that we build them up by praying with them. We meet up with them and we pray with them. And maybe we study God's word with them as well. We gather together, maybe just two of you, 
maybe around a drink or whatever it is, and you gather together and you just study God's word and you strengthen each other, you encourage each other, you build each other up. So why is it that they're strengthened in what Hebrews 12 verse 1 calls the endurance race of faith? Drew Hunter mentioned him a couple of times. He says this, encouragement is relational oxygen. Encouragement is relational oxygen. And he kind of explains, he says, look, if you're climbing like a high mountain, well, there's very little oxygen there. So you start to struggle to breathe. You get sluggish. You get tired really easily. It's hard work when there's not much oxygen. What you need to do is you need to come back down again to where there's more oxygen. And, and gradually you'll revive. You'll be refreshed. That's what we need again. We need oxygen. And encouragement is like oxygen, relational oxygen. And we often think of encouragement as just like this, this warm, nice thing. A sort of lovely thing, a lovely warm encouragement. But actually, in the Bible, often it, it can be that, but it's often a bit of a poke forward. It's often a real, like, nudge in the right direction. This is what uh, Hebrews 10 says. So it doesn't say this bit on it. Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Here's where it starts on the screen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see the link again to encouraging and Jesus coming again? This is why we encourage each other. This is why we spur one another on, because Jesus is coming again. When most of us think of spurs now, we think of those little sort of metal uh, uh, stars almost that were on the back of sort of cowboy boots, horse riders' boots. And um, they weren't designed to be cruel. But they were designed so that with a quick tap, without much work, you could quickly get the horse to react, quickly get it to move in the direction that you wanted it to go in. And that's kind of what it means here. We're, we're to spur each other on. Get each other moving. To what? What, what are we to kind of get each other moving to do? To love and good deeds. In many ways, that sounds to me that we're to be the friends that Jesus made us to be. To have the attitude of love and to do good deeds. To be a good friend to God and a good friend to others. And these things are written to the whole church. And I just want to encourage you really to come to church if you can. That might sound a bit silly because all of you are in church. But I want to encourage you to come to church when you possibly can because it does us good in a way that you, you can't get if you miss church or if you don't come very often. Church is good for us, but it's also good for those around us. But I also want to point out that church isn't just the church service. So this church service that we're in isn't church. It's a church service, but it's not church. If you're a Christian here tonight, you are the church. So what I want to encourage you is to be the church during the week. So from Monday to Saturday, also be the church. 
So during the week, if you can, meet up together. Meet with friends in the church. Share life together with those that you can share life with. Speak words of truth to each other. Pray with and for each other. Share God's promises with each other. Encourage each other. You know, Jesus coming again should give us purpose and a vision for our closest friendships. So when you do meet with those, those close friends, this should give us purpose and vision. Now this doesn't mean that every single time you meet up with a close friend, you, you can never relax or you can never just have fun. It doesn't mean that every time you meet with a friend, you have to have that deep conversation. But there should be a purposefulness about our friendships. Well, we should have a vision in our friendships. A joint vision that one day, maybe soon, we will be living with Jesus. We will definitely be living with Jesus. And so that should shape our friendships. It should shape what we talk about. It should shape what we do. It should shape our priorities. So just, just for a minute, I just want you to think about your friendships. Especially your, your really close friendships do you have a purposefulness about them when you're with your really close friends do you have at any point an eternal perspective in mind or if you're honest is it only ever about the here and now when you're driving somewhere with your mates Do you ever chat about spiritual things? Do you ever ask your friends, either in person or by text or whatever, how can I pray for you at the moment? Do you ever open up about your failings to your friends? That can be scary. That can be a vulnerable thing. A lot of people are scared of losing friends. But if you've got a true friend, they won't go anywhere. Do you open up about your failings? Do you ever ask your friend, what's making life hard to live as a Christian at the moment? What challenges are you going through that's just making life tough at the minute? When I did my uh, London to Brighton bike ride, both of us wanted to get to the finish line. We wanted to fly along Brighton seafront We wanted to go past all the clapping spectators and we wanted to cross that finish line. But we needed each other to get there. Now at about the the 40 mile mark, somehow I was feeling remarkably fresh, I have no idea how. But Ross was struggling with cramp. Needed a bit of encouragement. The last 15 miles or so, my lower back was ridiculously painful. I needed a bit of encouragement. We encouraged each other. We spurred each other on. Sometimes we did that by throwing insults at each other. But we encouraged each other because we both had that same aim. We both wanted to get to that final finish line. We both wanted to get our medal. Well, the Christian life is a spiritual battle. There are going to be times when we're feeling tired. There are going to be times when we're sort of spiritually achy. There are times when we feel like we need to give up. 
when we feel like we, we just need food because we're just so empty. There are times when we might just feel battered and bruised by sin and temptation. What do we need? We need a friend who's going to fight alongside us. We need a friend who's going to encourage us. A friend who's going to pull us or push us, whatever we need, but get us going in the right direction. We need friends who will speak truth to us in love. Friends who are loyal. Friends who love us so much that they will speak the truth to us and they're willing to correct us because they love us so much even if it might cause a little bit of annoyance from us. But that's what we need. A man called Gordon MacDonald once said this. He said, there is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say, myself. But what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. It's nice, isn't it, when we've got friends and we can just chill and be silly and ridiculous and whatever. But isn't it so much more valuable when we've got friends who encourage us to become better than we are? This is what Hebrews 3 verse 13 says. This is a helpful verse, also a warning. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, this is what happens when we're left by ourselves. When we're without friends, we can be deceived, we can be tricked by by sin. We need friends who love Jesus to help us point us in the right direction to stop us being deceived to remind us of God's promises we need friends who will strengthen us and pray for us and remind us of who God is and we need to be that friend as well to others I'm nearly done but just as we think about Jesus is coming, Jesus coming again. As we think about the reality of being with him soon, if we're believers, let's have purposeful relationships that point each other and steer each other and get each other going in the right direction. Some of you will know uh, the story of Pilgrim's Progress well. It's, um, it's a story about a man called Christian. It's, it's picture language of, of the Christian walk and the, you know, the main character is, is called Christian. And he's on a walk to the celestial city, which is a wonderful picture of heaven. And he's there with his friends, hopeful, but they get captured by giant despair. And giant despair takes them off and he throws them into his dungeon and he locks them in. And, um, and Christian is feeling despair. He's feeling very, very down in the dumps. And hopeful chats to him. And as hopeful chats to him, Christian starts being a bit more positive. He's a bit more encouraged. And he suddenly remembers that he has a key in his pocket. The key of promises that can unlock any door. And with Hopeful's encouragement, Christian puts the key in the lock. And with a bit more encouragement from Hopeful, he turns the key and the door flies open and they burst out into freedom. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to encourage each other like Hopeful encouraged Christian with the promises of God. I can't help thinking how well it links in with Exodus 5 and 6 that some of us looked at just last week. Yeah, if you feel discouraged or you feel in despair and, and as you think about the Christian walk, maybe you just feel 
guilty, you just feel like you're doing so terribly at the minute. Find a good Christian friend. Someone that you know, someone that you know loves you and that loves Jesus and say to them, can you remind me of the gospel? And can you pray for me? And it will do you both good. Do you both good. And it will help both of you on your journey to life, eternal life with Jesus. Well, I'm just going to give you a few moments just to reflect, think about your friendships. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, you know, Jesus welcomes everyone and he is the best friend. So I'll just give you a few moments to think and then I'll pray and then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the best friend. Lord, that you welcome us if we come to you. And we praise you for that because we do not deserve it. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that in this Christian community, Lord, that we would reflect Jesus. Lord, that our friendships would reflect you. And Lord, that because you are coming again, Lord, that our friendships would be purposeful, with vision. Lord, that we would do whatever it takes to encourage each other and push each other on towards you. And Lord, I pray that we would have that eternal perspective in mind at all times. Lord, do bless us in our friendships. Help us, forgive us, I pray, for we fail at this so much. Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to uh, stand and sing. And uh, this last song, it's not so much about friendship as such, but it does talk about um, our aim. So, verse 1, Lord of the church, we pray for our renewing Christ over all, our undivided aim. Verse 3, Lord of the church, we long for our uniting, true to one calling, by one vision stirred. Let's pray that we'll be stirred by this vision. So lead us on till toil and trouble ended, one church triumphant, one new song shall sing, to praise his glory, risen and ascended, Christ over all, the everlasting King. So when the music starts, we'll stand and sing together.
Well, that's the, uh, the end of a, a mini-series on friendship. There's so much I've left out, so much I haven't said. Um, there are some good books out there that I, I can recommend if you're interested. Um, but I just want to finish by reading uh, some one-another passages. So in the New Testament, so you know this, there's lots of one-anothers, things that we should do for or to one another. And I'm just going to finish by reading, there's a few of them, but I think it would just be good to quickly think about uh, these as we finish. Feel free to shut your eyes if that helps. So we are to love one another. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to honour one another above ourselves. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to build up one another. To be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Amen.